quiz time. Perfect. Thanks a lot, um, Aaron. Hi guys, um, my name's Ben. Um, I'm one of the year nine leaders here. Um, and I have the great privilege of um, preaching tonight. Um, I'm gonna be opening up Luke 18. Um, and I'm gonna be talking a little bit about satisfaction um, and, what, and what satisfaction actually is in our lives. Um, so just as I was preparing, uh, I was chatting with my friends over the weekend. Um, and we got talking about what are, some, what are some things that we find satisfying that you probably shouldn't find satisfying. So like an example of this would be Hugh Craig. I was chatting to him the other night and he said that he finds eye tests really satisfying. <laughs> satisfying. It shouldn't be satisfying, but it is. Josh Irving, um, he's another leader here. He said that he finds opening jars of salsa super satisfying. So you like squeeze the, squeeze the jar and then it like pops and he loves that. That is satisfying. So. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Um, why don't you turn to the people around you? I'll give you 30 seconds. Um, I'm really keen to hear the weird and wonderful things you guys find satisfying. Right, about 10 more seconds, about 15 more seconds. All right, sweet. Who's got something really weird or wants to dom their friends? Something that shouldn't be satisfying, but they find really satisfying. We're gonna get some mics passed around, let's hear them. I find, I find the sound of cards being shuffled really satisfying. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, my one is I love watching people copy videos. Yuck. Yuck. That's so bad. <laughs> when there's like that perfect uncracked Dorito and you like bite into it. <laughs> what? Specifically a Dorito? Or like any triangle. <laughs> so yes, yes. Any more? Any more? We might go for one more. Oh, uh, so there's things on TikTok that um, yeah, you know, like how there's like a cup they put items in it and they like the protractor and they like swipe over it. Hang on, slow down. Say it again. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> show this. I'll show this. Show us. Oh. So it's like these. No one can see that. <laughs> I'll articulate. Um, there's a cup with cream in it, and then he uses a protractor to wipe it off. Oh, yeah, I get And then that. he just did it again with that. jelly beans, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, and now cool, cool. it's with yeah. um, glitter, and now with little tiny watermelons. It's kind of like those videos of like someone filling a crock with shaving cream, and they stick their foot into the crock, and the shaving cream goes poof, straight out. Interesting, interesting. Thanks, Lou. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, guys. Um, it's interesting to see how satisfaction works in our lives. Um, whether you like it or not, or whether you've realised it or not, we're all chasing satisfaction in our own unique ways. Satisfaction is the fulfilment of one's wishes, expectations, or needs. 
or even the pleasure derived from this. Satisfaction is contentment, it is gratification, it is happiness. Whether you like it or not, we are all chasing satisfaction in our own unique ways. I'm going to start tonight, we're going to have a look at what some famous people throughout history have said about satisfaction and happiness. As we look through these different outlooks and the outlooks and these different worldviews, I want you guys to think, what do you, what do you agree with here? What do, you, what do you disagree about what these people are playing, saying? Sorry. So let's start with the first one. Um, we're going to start with a guy called Epicurus. Epicurus was an ancient Greek philosopher um, and the founder of a thing called Epicureanism. I know, big word. Epicureanism says that the purpose of life is the pursuit of happiness characterised by a thing called ataraxia, which is peace and freedom from fear, and apneia, which is the absence of pain. Epicurus believed that everything we do in life should be for our pleasure, because there is nothing more to life than what's in front of us. He actually says this, um, this is regarding death, he says that death does not concern us because as long as we exist, death is not here. And when it does come, we no longer exist. Epicurus believes that life is lived to the fullest when you chase your own satisfaction before anyone else. Interesting, interesting. Now have a think to yourself, do you agree or disagree with it? You can agree entirely with it or completely disagree or agree with a little bit of it. Have a think about what you think about this. Let's move on to our next person. Um, you might have heard of this person. Um, the Dalai Lama is like the head of the Buddhist church. Um, and he says this about life. Um, have a think if you agree with this one. He says that we are visitors of this planet. We are here for 90 or 100 years at the very most. During that period, we must try to do something good, something useful with our lives. If you contribute to other people's happiness, you will find the one true goal, the true meaning of life. Two very interesting views on where we should find satisfaction in life. Epicurus says that, that our own satisfaction should be the biggest priority in our life. Whereas the Dalai Lama says that the meaning of life is actually helping others find their satisfaction before yourself. And to be honest, both worldviews here have pros and cons. I can see myself agree with both of them and disagree with both of them at the same time. But the big thing that we're seeing here, the big thing in this picture of satisfaction, whether you get it by helping others or by helping yourself, it's all about something that you can control. As we look into Luke tonight, we're going to actually see that the Bible is saying something completely different. Satisfaction is not something you can completely control. For the second week of the React series, um, we're going to be looking at how a rich young ruler reacts to Jesus. Now, hopefully um, you have access to a Bible in front of you. I'm going to encourage you to keep that open through tonight. Um, not only so that you can uh, follow along with what I'm saying, because I'm going to refer to it uh, quite a bit, but to actually show that what I'm saying is from the Word of God. It's going to be really useful. So in saying that, um, let's open up to Luke chapter 18. Um, and let's start at verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Let's set the scene here. Um, this young ruler comes to Jesus asking what he needs to do in order to inherit eternal life. This is a massive question. He just walks up to Jesus and he's like, Hey man, um, yeah, how can I get eternal life? That's a big question. Can you see what he's doing here? 
For starters, he's acknowledging that Jesus knows the way to eternal life. He's recognizing that Jesus is who he says he is. And because of this, he's accepting the truth surrounding what Jesus has said about life after death. This ruler is looking to find satisfaction in the eternal life Jesus provides. That's interesting. That's a good point. That's a good place to start. Let's keep going. Verse 19. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. So not only does this man recognize the significance of Jesus, he also has a very impressive resume himself. Jesus responds to his original question by listing five out of the ten commandments that God gave Moses back in the book of Exodus. And the man claims he hasn't broken any of these commandments pretty much his whole life. He's not a murderer. He's not a thief. He's a morally decent man. He's a good person. But Jesus actually pushes back at him. Read on with me. Verse 22. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Can you see what Jesus is doing here? By asking the man to turn his assets into cash and give to the poor, he's gaining a better understanding of where this this man's heart truly lies. And how does he react? Well, look at me, verse 23. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. How does this man react to Jesus? Well, not good. Jesus' command for him to give away everything actually makes him really upset. He doesn't want to give away his wealth. In fact, his refusal to do so shows that he doesn't truly love his neighbour himself which is what God has called Christians to do. Instead, he's putting himself and his wealth, not God, at the centre of his life. Jesus wants him to be the number one thing in this man's life. Although he keeps the law and appears to be a good person outwardly, this man's heart isn't right with God. This man wants to limit the rule of God in his life. He wants God and everything he offers, but he doesn't want him intruding on his wealth. He wants to contain the jurisdiction of God and his reign. Jesus should be number one in this man's life, but he isn't. This man's saying that, Jesus, Jesus, you can be king here, but just not king in this part of my life, not part, not king in my wealth. Jesus, you can be king in my life, but just stay out of my relationship with my girlfriend. Jesus, you can be king in my life, but just stay out of the parties I go to. Stay out of my schoolwork. It's actually not that much different to us, is it? The issue for you might not be wealth, but there are other things that we put at the centre of our life instead of God. It could be that ATAR. It could be that sports team. It could be that friend group, that boyfriend or girlfriend. We all have something in our life that tries to dominate What is it for you? Who really rules? Who is really number one in your life? For the young ruler we have here in Luke, it's his wealth. He claims to have done everything right to follow the law, 
but his wealth is ultimately infecting his heart. Satisfaction and happiness for this man is found in his money. Money is the ruler of his life. He wants to know the one true God, but he doesn't want to make God number one over his wealth. If you're here tonight and you're recognizing that Jesus is king, like this man is, if you're recognizing that Jesus is king, you also need to know that it is impossible to have competing gods in your life. The man's reaction is clear proof that it's extremely hard for people with hearts set on other things to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 24 actually says it's similar to a camel going through the eye of a needle. That's hard. That's impossible. Indeed, it is impossible for anyone to save themselves. God didn't send his only son, Jesus, to suffer and die for you to put him as number two in your life. Jesus demands that he is number one in your life. I spent high school um, making Jesus number two in my life. I spent high school... To be, to be honest, putting Jesus a lot lower than number one, a lot lower than number two. In school, satisfaction was found in my marks, in the leadership roles I got, the way everyone viewed me. On the weekend, I chased satisfaction and happiness through drinking, through girls. Why? Because that's what the world says we're supposed to find satisfaction. Wealth is an excellent counterfeit God. Wealth promises security, Wealth claims to remove you of your anxiety. It satisfies you and makes you happy. But for how long? And the same can be said for any other gods you might be prioritising in your own life. These things can have a time and a place if it glorifies God. But when they pretend to be God and you put them as ruler, that's when it gets dangerous. That's when it gets destructive. Because the truth is, one day, it's going to fail you. It's going to let you down. Those marks at school are good until you fail. That sport team, that's really good, good on you. But what happens when you get injured? Then you can't play. That's out of your control. You can't control whether you're injured or not. That relation is good until it breaks down. None of these things last eternally. And if you're investing everything into it, if all of your satisfaction is coming from this thing, what happens when it collapses? What, do you, what, what are you left with? Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy you eternally. His death and his resurrection means that we can live again. Seek pleasure, joy, happiness, contentment in Jesus before anyone, anything else. And you'll be satisfied, not just for a little while, but for eternity. <laughs> Deal with your idols. Get rid of them. Lay them at Jesus' feet. Get up, go, and follow him. Every day, I reject God. I seek to be satisfied by the things around me instead of finding satisfaction in the love God has for me. In the eyes of God, you and I are... We're not good people. We're bad people in the eyes of God. Just look at verse 19. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. 
I can't remember how many times I've lied to people in my life. I can't remember how many times I've talked smack about someone behind their back. I can't remember how many times I've looked at a girl lustfully. We all live lives that deserve condemnation. Verse 26. And those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What's impossible with man is possible with God. Let me say that again. What is impossible with man is possible with God. You see how Epicurus and the Dalai Lama failed here? What is impossible with man is possible with God. Eternal life is God's lift to give. He gives it freely and he gives it generously to those who submit to him by giving up, by giving up everything to follow him. Jesus took all of God's wrath in his death on the cross. And his resurrection three days later not only defeated death, but defeated sin entirely. By his death we can be saved, and that is enabled by the grace God has given to us. If you aren't familiar with this concept of grace, um, a man called J.I. Packer, I think it finds it super well. Um, J.I. Packer is a Christian author. Um, he's a really, 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 really up there guy in the Christian theologian world. Um, he says this about grace. He says, um, in the New Testament, grace means God's love in action towards people who merited the opposite of love. That's us. Grace means God moving heaven and earth to save sinners who could not lift a finger to save himself. Grace means God sending his only son to the cross to descend into hell so that we guilty ones might be reconciled to God and received into heaven. That's what grace is. Isn't it beautiful? Wealth and other things in your life, they, they can be good things. Work hard, train hard, see your friends. That's good. But when these things say they are Lord, they need to be resisted and disposed of in place of King Jesus. Like Epicurus, do the things you enjoy and the things that make you happy. Do those things that makes you feel good. That's good. But if that's coming before your relationship with God, and if that thing isn't glorifying God, then that's a serious problem. It's the same with what the Dalai Lama said. By all means, help others. Do that. That's good. But once again, if that's not glorifying God, or if that's getting in the way of your relationship with God, then that's an issue. It's a massive issue. Peter's reaction to Jesus um, in this passage, I actually think is quite appropriate. Let's look at verse 28. Peter said to him, We have left all that we've had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus promises that those who prepare to make sacrifices, to be a follower of him, will receive far greater blessings, both now but in the life to come. God is a very creative compensator, not just in this life in front of us, but in life after death. You know, whenever I go on a plane, um, I'm, I've never flown a plane. I'm not in control of that aircraft. Um, and I don't really wish I was, you know, like... I'm not qualified to fly a plane. That's a pilot's job. 
for the sake of myself and others, I want the one who's actually qualified to fly the plane to be the one to be flying the plane. That's simple. In the same way, I want the one who is uniquely in control of life itself to be the one in control of my life. Let me say that again. I want the one who is uniquely, so the only one who is in control of life itself to be in control of my life. Jesus defeated all his enemies, including our biggest in death through his own death on that cross. Realistically, we're here on this earth for such a short amount of time. If we think of this room as like a timeline for eternity, stretching from that wall to that wall, we have eternity going here. Our time on earth, my time on earth, your time on earth, no matter how long we live, no matter what age we live to, our time is smaller than a speck of dust in the space of eternity. Are you really going to chase satisfaction in the things on this speck of dust and ignore all of that and forever that way? Are you really saying to God that you're going to follow this thing on the speck of dust and just reject everything he has to offer you that way? Get real. React. You have to react to this. This is an internal issue. Instead of these things on this earth trying to carry the satisfaction in your life, why don't you let the God who carries you in his arms eternally satisfy you? Jesus doesn't compromise. He has to be number one in your life. We saw the rich man's incompetence in reacting, but how, but how are you going to react? How are you yourself going to react? Not how are you and your friends going to react, how are you going to react? I'm going to invite the band up. Um, and they're about to play a song for us. Um, and as they play, um, I want to invite you um, to not sing because of COVID, um, but sit and listen um, and reflect in the words that are being played in the song. Maybe close your eyes um, so that you can focus um, and get the lights off, but sit and listen and reflect on what Jesus has to offer for you. Before I start, I just want to finish with the bridge of this song that they're about to play. Listen to these lyrics. We lift you high above all names. Your kingdom will forever reign. To you the glory 